Welcome to Sam's Business Growth Show, where I'll be interviewing business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. We'll be learning their story, how digital marketing has helped them along the way, and exclusive tips and insights to help you skyrocket your own business. Welcome to Sam's Business Growth Show, where I'll be interviewing business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. We'll be learning their story, how digital marketing has helped them along the way, and exclusive tips and insights to help you skyrocket your own business. Hello and welcome to Sam's Business Growth Show. I'm very, very pleased and delighted to welcome on board Nilesh Pandit, serial sporting entrepreneur. Um, he currently runs two different businesses, both turning over a million plus pounds revenue per year. Um, he's been featured on the UK popular hit show Dragon's Den. Um, he bought his first house outright age 26 as the banks wouldn't want to lend him money. So we'll discuss that shortly. Nilesh, how are you doing, my friend? I'm good, thank you. How are you keeping? Yeah, very good, thank you. Excellent. Very good. Excellent to be thank here. Thank you for the intro. It was very nice, very flattering. <laughs> No problems at all, my friend. Um, so yeah, let's let's jump right in. Um, first of all, Nilesh, myself and the audience want to know kind of your background, kind of where you grew up, how you got into business, um, how it all came about. So if you could tell us more. Uh, well, basically, uh, when I was um, kind of around uh, 21, 21 years old, I had an internship with uh, quite a big multinational company. Um, uh, so I had a really, really bad experience with them. I felt like the way they managed me, uh, the way they treated me was really poor. Um, in my opinion, I would never want to be spoken down to or be treated disrespectfully, no matter how big or small a company is. And I think from there, I kind of discovered, you know what, maybe I'm not cut out for the nine to six working world. Maybe I should try and do something, you know, um, myself. And also I didn't have an idea as to what it would be, what it could be. Um, but it was coincidentally in that year that um, that that very company. Uh, I was, I've always been big in fit, into fitness and five side and football, and I had a, like five. I used to play football a lot when I was growing up, and um, you know, it came to a point where five aside uh, and casual sports were really taking um, were taking uh, a, taking a big shape. Uh, I noticed this company, you know, different departments, marketing, accounting, operations. We're talking about a huge, huge multinational company, probably about a thousand plus employees. Uh, they were all playing football individually uh, on different days. So I said, um, okay, you know, wouldn't it be a great idea as team building and corporate togetherness? So I was like, I said, really struggling in my job and didn't really meet a lot of people and was quite depressed. Wouldn't it be a good idea to make all of these teams or departments play one another in a kind of football league or sports setting? So I made a few really basic A4 standard flyers with just basic writing and just sent it all to the different departments. And they all came back and said, yeah, we'd want to we wanna join this five-a-side company league, internal company league. Um, and obviously I created these really quirky and funny match reports um, within the five-a-side leagues, like, you know, Sam Dunning turned a 360, hit the crossbar and missed. And it was really <laughs> funny and well-received. It went onto, you know, the, their main platform. It went online. And it, it went from, you know, eight teams to 16 teams. Um, in my lunch breaks, I used to just invite local companies around the Hammersmith West London area to join this company league and make it a corporate league. They came in, Fiverside was just growing at the time. Um, and it kind, of, it kind of grew there. And I was doing everything at cost price, you know, because I was working for this company. And, you know, the product I was pushing out was unique. The cost was low. 
So obviously my differentiating factor was was the price and obviously my service offering. And I was very hands-on with everyone. Everyone knew who I was, you know, it, it grew very quickly, like I said, from eight to 16 teams. People enjoyed the offering. Um, and it was local as well. Location-wise, it was very good, very, very, very good pitches in London in uh, at Rocks Lane, Montesports and in Chiswick, which is where I all began. And it was really, really good, mate. So that, that's how it all essentially began. Um, that's how the idea kind of began. And, you know, obviously after that was university and I set up the um, biggest five-a-side university league in Birmingham. Um, we all went to Aston Uni and... Uh, you know, I thought at that point, at that point, I said, you know what, I've, I have a, I have a job ready for me if I want to leave. But I said, you know what, I've got to give this a go and um, see what happens. You know, I can't work for anybody else. I've had a bad experience. I don't personally feel that I'm cut out for it. You know, other people can work nine to six and are quite good. But I thought, you know what, I'm going to try and do this myself and risk it. And it. everyone was literally saying, it. you know, it's very difficult. You're in sports and fitness. It's a crowded market. It's impossible. But I said, you know what, let me give it a go and see what happens. Okay, so basically you were working for a corporate company, kind of the standard like nine to five, nine to six job, yeah. you're getting quite worn down. And um, I think you've got kind of a, because you played football at quite a good level yourself, didn't you, Nilesh? So that's where you got some yeah. of the inspiration, is that right? Yeah, that was like when I was a lot younger, um, you know, like if I, if I compare myself to the talent out there now, it's probably probably nothing. But, you know, back then I had a, I had, I had a very, very good deal with um, QPR, but that was 16, 17. You know, I was, I was, I was very, very good. Yeah, in terms of obviously nowhere near as good now. I'm, I'm actually quite bad now. But anyway, um, like, you know, back then it was it was it was a really good time to, to you know, to play football. You know, there's a lot of a lot of people coming through the ranks and football, like I said, 11 aside, five aside was actually just on the brink of commercialism to the point where big deals and big contracts made. But obviously I didn't make it. I, I, I had actually a really bad break. And um, yeah, in my ankle, and I, I, I didn't make it. I don't think I would have anyway, even if, to be honest, even if my ankle was fine, because oh, the time out there now, it's, it's, um, it's incredible. So um, but then I went into Was fitness. that playing, sorry? Was that when you were in? Yeah, yeah that, was, yeah, that was playing. But then I, obviously I went into fitness. Um, I transformed like into fitness and I said, you know what? I, I, I got my level two qualification for, for the gym. I couldn't really train like lower body at, at all really it was like you know it was, it was quite difficult so it was three four years out then obviously I went back started playing football casually but it's, it's never the same I could never run at the same pace I could you know I was always worried about what's going to happen yeah. you know and obviously I try and not tell people that now like I say like listen if something's happened you've got to try and overcome it but I think the um the stigma for it I said you know I would, I would never be the same um but that being said you know like I said I saw the talent that was coming up you know and and in my own admittance I knew even if I do, everything happens for a reason, you know, they, they were a lot more talented than I was, but this was like my calling then. I said, you know what, I can't play in the big leagues, let's try and set up something football related or sports related and see what happens kind of thing. Awesome. Okay. So yeah, like going back to kind of you work in this corporate job, um, what was that doing exactly? Was that? So I was actually a finance intern. Would you believe? Oh, so okay. I was a lot of spreadsheets. And... We're, we're friends, by the way, for anyone listening in the audience. Me and Alesh <laughs> do a little bit of work together. We're both kind of gym enthusiasts and football enthusiasts. So, um, yeah, carry on, my friend. Yeah, so, so I was actually working in finance and doing a lot of spreadsheets and reporting, um, you know, how stuff was being sold in the stores, um, how, you know, how well-received products were. And I was just an intern, so I was very low-level. Um, I was literally just doing all of the paper pushing effectively um, for, uh, like, the top, the, you know my manager the senior execs and stuff and uh, unfortunately I didn't get on with any single person that I kind of worked with my, my manager my senior manager and they kind of with time gave me less and less work so that actually was bad because it actually 
felt like it was jail. So imagine working 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. in front of a computer. You can't touch your phone. You can't make any social call. There's no one talking to you, no one interacting with you, and you've got nothing to do. So I literally just had to pass my time. So I would take these notes on a piece of paper because I couldn't do it on my computer because I would log what you're doing, try and figure out a way to grow this five-a-side league and try and figure out everything on paper, my costings, my finances. Uh, I'd hide this piece of paper, obviously. When they gave me work, I'd do it. But it was... Um, it was a weird time to be me. It was like my, my, my most depressing year and my most um, my most rewarding year at the same time. Yeah, I can see that. Okay, so you, you slowly progressed this kind of sporting idea, this sporting concept, whilst you were kind of doing this 9-6 job that you didn't really enjoy at all, um, yeah. and writing these notes undercover. And yeah, then you started undercover. To s- <laughs> the undercover agent. Um, so how did, you, how did you progress it from, from that stage into something bigger? So again, just going back to, to fitness again, straight after Disney, sorry, you're going to have to edit that part out probably, but anyway, yeah, straight after um, the MNC was, um, uh, was university. So Aston University was uh, uh, the, the, this, my final year because you do an internship within it. And so I used to work in the gym uh, in, my, in year one and two. Nice. And um, I had a very good relationship with uh, the head of sports and leisure. So he gave me the platform. Obviously, I had to pay for a, a freshest fair desk, which was, I think, about 80, 90 pounds. Um, I went up and down the tower blocks. This is about 20 floors in a tower block. They were Stafford, Lakeside at the time, um, you know, Lawrence. So I'd go up and down went to all the university buildings. There's this, we're setting up a five-side university league. And um, obviously, you have to sign up a freshest fair. It was about £5 sign-on and then £25 for the season, which is obviously very, very competitive. And Freshers Fair, I think we had about a thousand signups. And then when we introduced the free welcome session, so I always believe that you should offer something free to get people trying out your products and service and see how they like it and see how you do it as well. There was a queue literally from the building where I took the sign-up desk all the way around to the main main building of Aston Uni. So these people were queuing up for this five-a-side service. And I was just one person on a desk trying to sign up. I think it was over a thousand people and take their money uh, and say, right, sign up. I've got a team. I don't have a team. I'm an individual. Um, and then once they signed up, they'd go on the pitch and play. And now I didn't think that a thousand people are going to turn up to this. So I only had one, it's only one five-a-side pitch at Aston at the time. I've got, I've got to try and navigate a thousand people to play five-a-side football. I somehow managed it because people were just playing five, six minutes at a time. Yeah, and, you know, it was, I was there literally from, I think, 10 a.m. all the way through to about 7 p.m. So I said, you know what, this is something that can work. And I looked at my competition at the time, who were Power League um, in London, it was Top Corner, uh, who then got bought out. Um, and I said, these prices are ridiculous, they're astronomical. So I said, oh, you know, I can, I can come into the market here at a lower price and work out um, a deal okay. with companies so and stuff. So you saw your gap in the market. Um, yeah. you, you set up this event that yeah. amazingly got a thousand plus people interested yeah um, essentially coming out from from almost nowhere exactly um, and for any overseas or us listeners five aside six aside seven aside what we're talking about is soccer or football so this is a football tournament or football match where you play against five of your friends or five people you don't know usually on some kind of astroturf or similar base surface and um yeah. last you carry on yeah so basically that was so that was the kind of proof of the concept so um you know, for me, and for I think any business or any potential entrepreneurs out there at the moment, it's very, um, you know, you've got to prove your idea. So, you know, you, you've got your idea, you've got your concept, but you've got to prove it and you've got to prove the fact that can you do it? Can you market it? And will people respond to it? Now, the, there's two things that, yes, it was a free event, but at the same time, people were 
willing to hand over their money, not even knowing me. Half these people don't even didn't even know me. Because a lot of them did know me through through my connections at the gym, but they were willing to do it. They would sign up and pay for it. And it, we're not talking about the the age of Facebook and Instagram. We're talking about the the phase the, the phase of leafleting, emailing, phone, text message, actual conversations with people. We're not talking about an Instagram message and stuff. So yes, people signed up for it proved it i actually then ran the league exactly the same way as i did with the mnc with funny quirky match reports i think there were in total 16 divisions across the days monday to sunday um a lot of them played monday to thursday actually and um effectively across 16 divisions i then managed it and i had to balance my university um scheduling around it i managed to get a two on in the end and then obviously i then went back to london where i then said you know what i've got to now stop this business so it then went from a concept to a business, and that's where it really started to get hard. That's wow, when it really okay. started to get difficult. So yeah. how old were you when, when this was coming about, and what kind of year was this? So this was, um, well, if we imagine a decade that I've been in business now. So it's 23 was when I started it. So 23 is when the business was born. So 21 was the concept. 21, 22 was the concept. And 23 was when I actually registered the business as a trading company age so as a limited company trading yeah and this was back in 2010 or so this would have been two, yeah actually it's 2009 actually so i was 22 yeah so it's 2009 yeah so um absolutely yeah it was um 2009 so it's been it's been a journey definitely okay so you were you're at this university had you already quit your corporate job by that stage so that was an intention as part of my degree ah, so i had to do it so there was okay. yeah there was no way that i could get out of it so i did my year i did my time came back to university, finished my degree, had set up uh, the corporate league, obviously in London. Then I'd set up the student league in Birmingham. I'd actually go back and forth between London and, and Birmingham while studying as well to make sure they were both running well. Obviously, at that point, my home was Birmingham because I was studying, but I'd still go down one or two days um, a week and I'd get these really cheap £5 tickets from Chilton Railways just to, and somehow expense it to the fact that, okay, well, actually every penny I'm spending is for the business. So I kind of structured myself to imagine that this was going to be a full-time thing and, and try and take it like that. Brilliant. Okay. So you, you started, um, so you had bases between London and Birmingham. You started running all these different nights of football or daytime mm -hmm. football sessions. Yeah. And it kind of got, I guess you were making, starting to make some good money and kind of you thought that you need to do this full-time or what happened next? Yeah. So obviously the, like I said, the proof was in the pudding, the money was coming in uh, and, it was, and it was, and it was good money. It was, it was, it was, it was, if I did it properly, it would be the equivalent of what would have been a full-time salary working for an MNC. So I said, okay, you know what, let's give it a go kind of thing. Let, let's come out of university. Let's just start from scratch and let's see what happens. Obviously, being young and naive and not really taking much advice at the time, so I was quite hard-headed, you forget about the fact that you need um, important things within your business. You need to set up the company. You need to set up a trading name. You need to set up a website. Website's probably the most important thing that you need, um, actually. You need to market your website, to market yourself. You've got leaflets and stuff like that. So this first kind of two, three months phase, um, I was working on that. And actually, it was the last day of university. And it was um, where myself and one of the guys I went to university with created this basic website in 24 hours. And it was so bad. Like, I can't explain to you how bad it was. It was so bad. It was like really ugly green with like a really like, cheesy pitch line on it it was so bad but we needed to get onto google and start working our way up um 
And that's when I quickly realized, you know what, online is the way forward. I did not know that Facebook and Instagram would have such a strong power in the future, but I knew Google was a powerhouse. So I said, you know what, I need to get this website correct. I let it, I let it sit. It didn't, it didn't cost me anything because if someone did it as part of their, their, um, their degree for me, but we, okay. we hammered it out. And then obviously I vowed to myself that in my first year, whatever money I make would go back into the website. It needed to be rebranded and redone. Um, and then obviously marketing with Google at the time, PPC was, was very important. Um, you know, I would actually go door to door um, or company to company and flyering. I'd hand out flyers to reception and say, listen, could you pass this on? Yeah. So before you kind of got your friend to set up this website, Nilesh, mm-hmm. um, is that mostly what you're doing? Kind of flyer dropping and things like that? How are you generating literally, business? Or was it that is exactly how my day was structured. I would literally spend 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. going office to office door to door, I would fly out every single person in the street. I would fly every single person in the street and literally say, I've got this corporate league that's running. Um, can you, would you like to sign up? And obviously I would base myself in Hammersmith. The reason why I did that is because I lived in Shepherd's Bush. It was walking distance. I'd be able to cover a lot of ground and cover a lot of people in a very short time span. So I, I focused in my area, which was West London, because I knew I could get there quickly. I would go there, um, I would fly between 8 a.m. and 8.45 because that's when people are going into their offices. I would stand outside and on, on a public piece of property, not their company building. Do the same at lunchtime between um, 12.45 and 2.15. And I would do the same again at 5.30 to 7 o'clock. So I'd catch them all at the right time. So again, that's quite important. You need to understand who your audience is and try and cap- capture them. I'd check my emails constantly. I think there were days and days where emails didn't come in. But I didn't have that kind of corporate connect where I could just go to a company and say, excuse me, who is your HR person? Please, could you send this out? I would still spend a lot of time cold calling um, as well. But I would still be out there in the open trying to give it to people that I think, you know what, they could pass this information on. Awesome. And I think that's a really good tip, Nilesh, for all businesses listening, kind of timing, knowing your audience. Timing. Just exactly. like you said there, and you did it first thing in the morning, you did it kind of at two o'clock when you know they're coming back into the office. Yeah. Um, You've got to start somewhere, exactly. So, um, okay, well, that's, that's really valuable info for our listeners. And then you kind of realized you had to have some kind of online web presence. So you knocked Correct, up yeah. a simple website. And yeah. you, you understood that you had to kind of pump some of your earnings, some of your profits back into the marketing, back into mm-hmm. digital. So you started doing, was it pay-per-click or Facebook? Yeah, so, so, so PPC was next. Um, so basically whenever a customer would sign up, they'd have to pay a deposit. So I'd use that deposit and put it into my marketing budget. So, and it, and, and it was quite hurtful actually, because I would spend, um, I think I had the five deposits, 500 pounds. I put it into to Google for the sake of argument. Um, and I didn't understand anything about Google. I didn't know how to set up a PPC campaign. I didn't know what this was all about. And I would try and get, talk to experts, uh, experts, excuse me, yeah, experts, right? And unfortunately, there are a lot of like con artists out there, really bad marketing companies that I've actually experienced in 11 years, and they just wouldn't do the job properly. They say they're going to do a lot, and um, they actually didn't deliver. So I actually spent, I would say, I wasted about, about 1,500 pounds on poor marketing from Google. And I actually was about to lose faith. I said, you know what? The money I'm spending is not working. It's not happening. So then I just said, you know what? I've got to learn it myself. So I spent, I think, about, I would say, two weeks on YouTube at the time, which again, wasn't, wasn't that big, but YouTube and, you know, free marketing platforms, just learning how to set up a Google campaign. And obviously it worked. I said, okay, you know what? It's actually working. I said, I've managed to actually set up a campaign myself and it's actually working. It's bringing in leads. 
Um, and I would just fob off the other companies that said, you know what, I will give you marketing for this, that, and the other. And I would just do it myself. So again, it was now becoming, like, you know, what, I'm now the marketing manager. I'm now the operations manager. I'm now trying to do my own accounts. It's getting to the point where I'm taking on too much. And at the time when you're young, when you're 22, 23, 24, you think, yeah, you know what, you can do it all yourself. But the business was growing and I wasn't acknowledging the business was growing past my capabilities. And it's very important. And again, this is to your listeners again, where, you know, there has to be a time where you say to yourself, you know what, my skill set is not this. I, my skills are not in marketing. My skills are not in this. You have to be honest with yourself and say, it's time now to bring somebody else in. And that I think was my key mistake is that I would have grown faster and quicker had I let the reins go a bit and trusted somebody else to say, okay, come in as a full-timer, sacrifice a bit of the money, sacrifice a bit of your your revenue for someone solid in salary. I didn't do that until I was about 26. I should have done it when I was 24, um, where I, I started to see the business making money. Um, but to trust a person to hand your business down to is very difficult, especially when you're smaller. Um, but if I, if, if I would say one of the, well, there were a lot of mistakes I made in the early goings, but you can't do everything yourself. And I think when you start to do everything yourself, you make mistakes. Um, you might, you make key mistakes. And I think you start to get under the weather. Your personal life is sacrificed. Um, you need to just be honest with yourself and say, you know what, fair enough. You're young, you've got energy, but you need to just say, right, it's time now for, to bring somebody else in. And would you say that's an important thing for all kind of people in business to note, Nalesh, kind of there comes a stage where we all have to admit that we can't do everything. We can't be experts in everything ourselves and we have to get additional professionals in to, to do jobs yeah. and free up our time. And I mean, I mean, absolutely. Because if, if you look at generally the way businesses are structured, you've got, obviously you've got um, marketing operations, accounts, legal, HR, um, websites and IT you know these are all like key pillars of, of what a business now is you know you've got key key pillars to make your business grow there is no way that you can do all of them right you can position yourself in one so you can be like I, I tend to be good at operations talking to people or well, that was my skill set back then now it's a little bit different my skill set is elsewhere my skill set is more like events based and you know growing the event side but you have to understand that you as a person with time change and no matter what university has taught you or the real world has taught you, there is no way you can know everything that professionals know. You have to either take advice um, and see where you go, or you have to pick the right departments to grow with time. I don't think you can do it yourself. And I think that's a key thing to say to yourself, like all new entrepreneurs or all kind of people within business, zero to five, zero to 10 years need to potentially let go of the reins and maybe say, right, listen, let's bring someone in, whether it's family or not, or just uh, to, say someone to help you whether it's someone on a part-time basis or full-time basis you do kind of need that buffer to keep you sane basically okay cool so um yeah around 26 or so you brought on some some staff um i know we mentioned at the start of the show you bought your first house mortgage free when you're age 26 mm -hmm. however there were some issues yeah. with the bank can you tell us more what happened there so this is um this is this is one of the key things that again was featured on kind of dragon's den is that you need to pay your taxes, people. Yeah, so always pay your taxes. Yeah, okay, because they're gonna come and they'll find you. Yeah, and so basically the way I did it is um, I, um, I basically would get a lot of revenue in and money in, of course, and my accounting was really bad. Because at the time I'd obviously, I was hiring family to do, do, do my accounts. Sure. And also I didn't realize really what 
taxation, VAT, and all this, what the implications were on you know five side pitch or pitch high or how I was claiming it back, how I should be um, reporting it. Um, I would very much go off advice that was very dated. So um, uh, the, the key thing is, and they kind of went in hand in hand. Luckily, I kind of had got my house before this this tax issue, so I managed to save up a lot of money through obviously salaries, earnings, dividends. Uh, again, quite quite important dividends. Make sure you, you do your dividends taxes properly to kind of you know buy buy a house outright. Uh, which was um, nothing fancy. It was kind of like a, a two-bed house in Acton, but it got me on the property ladder. The reason why I had to do that and um, was because banks were not were just not lending. So I was a self-employed business. Um, I actually declared myself a low salary. I actually put myself on the first two, first year or two of business. I put myself on a I think a four thousand eight hundred pound salary, which is very low. Yeah. I then increased it, but then dropped it in in exchange for dividends, basically. Okay. Um, so what was the issue behind that is that, well, you know, banks generally lend to stable piece, you know, people within stable jobs. Your business has to show a stable amount of income. And obviously, you know, mine was fluctuating back and forth. I was making investments, which uh, I was making, you know, purchases and to try and grow the business. And unfortunately, the bank, they, they don't really understand what you're doing with the business. They just go very much on black and white profit and loss, salary earnings and things like that. And no matter how, I think I must have tried about 20 banks, mortgage advisors, they were not lending me anything. Um, and this was now when I was actually 24, when I realized they're not lending it to me. So I've been in business obviously two years. They said, oh, you need three years worth of, you know, three years worth of salary stable. I need, um, you know, regular pay slips and everything, you know, accordingly, basically. So I don't know what the logic behind it was, but they didn't, they didn't, they didn't lend um essentially so um anyway so then i said you know that gave me a kick up the ass so you know what i need to work harder work smarter and get myself on the property ladder so um obviously dividends was the thing that essentially did it you know obviously which which i then had to pay taxes on later on because they, they you, you actually pay taxes later on once you claim dividends and then i got myself on the property ladder i, I got it all on there and then within that year between 26 and 27 was when um hmrc came knocking basically and said Ooh, yeah, you're not reporting your taxes properly. Uh, and in that same year that I, that I actually bought bought the house, um, I was then slapped with about £210,000 penalty from HMRC. Oh, and they made me write them a cheque of £100,000 straight away. So they, I had to write a cheque in front of them for wow. hundred grand. And did you have um, ready to give? Or? Straight away. You, you had to. You didn't have a choice. Yeah, there was no choice. They would come up. They, came up, they rocked up at your door. And they said, right, have all the files that we need ready. So I had all my files. They went through all my files, all my paperwork. Um, another thing was my business was registered uh, at my home address. Okay. Big mistake. Don't, do not register your business at your home address. But register it either at a virtual address or get an office, one of the two. Similarly, accountants get a proper accountant. Simple as that. Anyway, they rocked up. Um, they, they did make a meeting. Don't get me wrong. They called a few times. They were trying to understand everything. They rocked up. Um, and they said, right, this is not right. And they said, right, this is what we figured out was going to be your penalty. It seems like we're correct. Obviously, they're not going to tell you the penalty before turning up, but they calculated it all. And they said, right, if we're wrong, we'll give you the money back, which is fair enough. But, you know, you've done a lot of stuff wrong here. And there's, there's so many different things I can talk about. I can do like a whole hour program just on that alone. <laughs> um, but they said, write the check. Okay, cool. So I had to. Um, I don't really want to piss them off, to be honest. Of course. And that was kind of phase two of the business where, you know, the business had gone, gone from an idea and a concept to now at this point, probably about, I would say, 100 plus teams, pitch hire, 
um, you know, corporate events, hiring out referees. There were a lot of part-time staff involved that were self-employed, uh, which, which was done correctly. It now grown to a position where the company was making a very good turnover, not, not over a million yet, but we're, we, we, were, we were on our way there. And, okay. I, and, and I myself said, you know what, this was, a, this was a huge mistake. I should have structured the company better. I, at 24, I should have got a proper accountant in. I should have got a proper full-timer in. I should have structured my organization in a way that this penalty would have not happened. But had that not happened, I, the business wouldn't be where it is today. Because that then said, you know what, I, literally the day after that, I said, I'm going to be hiring my full-timer. I'm going to be hiring a proper accountant. Um, uh, and I'm going to be putting all of these things in place. So I'd spend a bit more money on staffing to ensure that we as a company were more stable going forward. And that then grew. Um, higher Pitch was then born. So after Play Five Side came Higher Pitch because I went to spread two because one was about five side leagues and commercial leagues and, you know, your team playing against another team. Whereas Pitch Hire was about my, me and my friends trying to book a court just to play amongst one another, whether it's football, netball, hockey, it could be anything. Uh, and the league's element were different. So I needed to separate the businesses um, and that was effectively done in December 2015. So that's um, four years ago. Four, last five month. years ago. So that, um, yeah. that tax issue, Nilesh, kind of just after mm. you bought the property, the kind of tax man came knocking at the door. Would you say that's yeah. one of your business low points in terms of... Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's definitely a low that, point. It's brilliant. It, it's, it's definitely a low point um, because, you know, straight after that, you know, I had to sell a lot of stuff to make sure that the business was essentially stable. Um, I then rented out one of the rooms um, in, um, in, in, in my house. Um, you know, uh, I, I had to consider, you know, mortgaging it. I had to consider selling it. I had to think of all these things because of, 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 the, of, of the business effectively. I had, to, I had to think about ways, you know, to, do, to, to effectively make sure that the business does not go into bankruptcy. And actually, the first bit of advice I got from an accountant, would you believe, was declare bankruptcy. I told him, get lost. Yeah, I said, I'm not declaring bankruptcy, yeah, because that's not the way, that's not the way I operate. I said, that's accepting defeat. I said, I'm going to, what the bank account's going to be cleared out, that's fine. I'll go all the way back to zero, yeah, and I'll start again. So effectively, all the work that I had done up to that point was literally null and void, basically, because my bank balance was down, it was actually minus, it's negative, because you had to pay that. So I'd have to make these regular payments. So yes, you've got to structure it properly, but it, it was a low point, but it gave me a kick up the arse that I needed to say, you know what? But the good thing is at that point, I'm now established in West London slash central London to say, you know what, people are coming. So I wasn't worried about making the money back. It was the timeline. Because now you've got to remember, personally, you're now getting on. Personally, you're now thinking about, okay, well, the next logical step is potentially marriage. You know, you want kids by the time you're 30 and all that kind of stuff. So you don't want your family to suffer as a result of your mistake. So you, it's, very, it's a very nervy time because at that kind of pivotal age, you're trying to look at progressing your personal life. But for me, business always came first. Anyway, business was like, well, business has to be stable because without business being stable, my personal life is not going to be stable. Kind of the wrong way to look at it, in my opinion. But at the same time, when, when you're young, you want to kind of take the world down and just, and just see what comes with it. But then I've kind of found that balance later on in life, which I think comes with time. Sure. Okay, so you effectively started from fresh again. However, you yeah. had all these customers on the yeah. books. Mm -hmm. So you knew what you needed to do to get this business kind of skyrocketing back on track. And exactly. then you moved on and you started, was it a second business, Hire a Pitch? Or? That's exactly it. So, so Hire a Pitch was essentially a separate entity to play by side and always is because the two do very different things. 
And I, w- I should have been advised at the beginning when I was taught to take on pitch higher lettings that the two should be separate. And um, it was when higher pitch was born, really, that the, the two companies took off effectively, because that's when you kind of had a member of staff for each. Um, you know, there was a clear, there were, it was clear what both companies were doing. There was no kind of disconnect. So higher pitch was pitch higher and lettings. Managing it and hiring out was play play by the side was very much football leagues. Um, you know, we went into netball for a bit as well, and very much the competitive element. So the two kind of they they worked very well, um, but they were two very separate businesses, and they both grew independently. In fact, higher pitch grew faster than play five side because the need for casual pitch hire um, was higher than competitive leagues. Even though play five side made more money in the end. Um, higher pitch the demand for it was just incredible like everyone couldn't actually find the pitch um at this point in in central london to kind of book out so we would just take these spaces off um and either book it for leagues or book it to our clients and then obviously you know that then took off quite quickly to be honest with you nice and this came through yours and your friend's own problem that you solved by the sounds of it so you wanted these pitches is that right yeah, so obviously the friend only dealt with the website. He was long gone when I was 20, 22, 23. But it, it was very much through customer feedback. And again, it's very important. Customer feedback is is really, really important in, in any business is that everyone would call up. And at this point, obviously, I had a mobile, only a mobile phone and I had a landline just literally wired to my mobile phone. It's literally me and a mobile phone and laptop just strolling across London, literally <laughs> trying to just take down take down the world almost. It was, it was, it was, it was unbelievable. I won't be able to do that now. But you get these calls in and there, there were not people from our leagues, but just independent people that found us on Google. We worked our way up through SEO to the top, which is again, very important. SEO is a very big part of, 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 of what we do. Um, and they'd say, Oh, we'd like to book a pitch please. And I was like, we don't, we don't deal with pitch hire at the moment. Um, they kept getting call after call after call for it. And I said, hold on a second. I'm missing out here because the people are asking me for pitch hire. They're clearly coming to me for something and I don't have anything for them. So I said, you know what, I need to start block booking out pitches myself. And if I can't run them for leagues, then hire them out for pitch hire. People are happy to pay a premium for it. So that's how that idea was born. It was based from customer feedback. And then from there, the evolution of customer feedback is an interesting one because from there, it was like, oh, we want to book out your pitch. Uh, can we run an event on it? Mm-hmm. I said, okay, yeah, you can. Uh, we've got an events company coming down. Can we, can we bring the events company in? Okay, no problem, do that. Bring the events company in. And I was thinking, hold on a second you know what, we can run our own event here, a corporate sports day, an inflatable fun day and all that kind of stuff. So the evolution of higher pitches is an interesting one because it came from pitch hire, then it stemmed into events, it stemmed into like kind of park space and event hire. It went into fitness as well, which is going to be reborn soon. And it's gone into casual hire. So it's going to be, there's a lot of stuff that higher pitches branch into from customers just literally constantly demanding something that is not available. And we've created these little branches um, in higher pitch that has developed. And play five-side is very similar. Oh, we want to play in a five-side league in East London. We want to play, play in a five-side league in South East. So our guys will constantly be looking um, at spaces to try and get. But obviously, at this point now, getting when I'm 27, 28 years old, um, you know, we're in a very competitive market. Um, and, you know, uh, you know, people have caught wind of five-side being uh, quite lucrative. So... We're now one of the established beginning firms, effectively. Um, but then, you know, there was another one that came up alongside with me. But then all these new companies are coming in, battling on, you know, battling for space. And it's, it's become very difficult. So, you know, we've branched into different sports. We've branched into, like I said, pitch hire and, you know, events. And events actually is the, the kind of pillar at the moment that's taking higher pitch forward. There's a lot of little things we've had to kind of 
diversify to ensure that you know we as a company grow because you can't just stick to your your guns sometimes you've got to move across we're going to be going to kids coaching soon you know, a lot okay. of things because london is very saturated unfortunately and we are moving across the uk because london is exactly that you can't just concentrate on london all right so you, you started this new new venture hire a pitch basically through customer feedback through customer need so people were saying look we need pitches you started renting yeah. out pitches um you moved on to events because people wanted events so you started That's doing it. kind of soft play hire and all sorts onto training onto fitness and yeah. did you say a lot of that work came through seo and for anyone listening who doesn't know what seo is it's, it's search engine optimization it's simply put the pro- process of getting your website to page one of google um, organic search so the non-paid ads um is that how it came in the less or yeah again the inquiries came in before i think the websites were working their way up to page one play five side was already up there but higher pitch yeah. was um was not again it was a very basic website and we kept rebranding and redoing the website with i think we are on version six i think of our website in in i think um five years so i think it's very important that with time you recognize the customer needs and change your website accordingly whether it's seo ppc is good for short term like good good bursts of, of um inquiries but obviously seo is going to be the one that effectively keeps you on page one um but the all of this has come through customer feedback as you said yes and um it does need to evolve so all of these little ideas are coming to fruition are down to what the customers are saying not really what i'm thinking in my head I, i've got plenty of things to think about in my head that where i think the business should go but they all stem from what the sales guys are now reporting back to me or what i discovered or what even the trends are in fitness and you know and and general market um so yeah seo is important very important for well actually your website generally is very is very important so whatever you do with your website whether it's seo ppc or develop a website um uh, marketing along with it whether it's leafleting and all that those two are effectively your two pillars that are going to get your name and your brand out there Got it. you know and i never thought a website would have such a strong impact and same thing marketing google linkedin facebook ads instagram all of this kind of stuff if you've got the money you know invest but make sure you do it properly because you know you could get it so wrong and you could get it seriously wrong exactly. and you could end up spending a lot of money on and no results and it's a common mistake that all new businesses make is that you do the wrong thing, you advise the wrong stuff. And, you know, I could be advising you to do something a certain way, but it might not suit your business. At the end of the day, everyone is unique and everyone is different. So you have to do your research, no matter how much you listen to 50 million podcasts or 10 things on Google, at the end of the day, you know your business better than anybody else. So you kind of know what the needs are, but the person after you that knows your business is going to be the customer. So sometimes a customer may know the business better than you. So, you know, you need to listen to what they've got to say because you don't listen. You're not going to effectively grow as a business. Got it. Okay. Well, that's, that's great. You kind of listened to your customers. You understood that you needed a website. You understood you needed to effectively market that website mm-hmm. to drive the leads, to get the inquiries and to grow the sales and effectively keep your business pumping and pumping upwards. So um, at what stage were you, did you go on to Dragon's Den the less? So for anyone who doesn't know what Dragon's Den is, it's a hit UK show where basically entrepreneurs go on to this um, show. There's a panel of um, successful businessmen, businesswomen, and you basically pitch your idea to them. Um, so you have your concept, you pitch your idea, and they decide whether or not they're going to invest money into your business for a stake of the business, so for equity. So um, how did that go, Nilesh? Give us a quick run through. So Dragon's Den was very much, um, I developed this concept with Play Five Side, whereby you've got a lot of desolate spaces across the UK, mainly within schools, 
that are not being developed. So you have schools um, in 2020 operating with like, really bad tarmac spaces or huge grass open fields. And I thought, well, you know, we should partner with them and redevelop their spaces. And that came about through um, a contact we had at Reavers Adventure Playground, which was whereby they had um, a pitch, but they had no fencing and floodlights there. So we gave them the funding for the fencing and floodlights. In exchange, they gave us exclusive use in the evenings. So it kind of made sense. They had a need that they wanted this pitch completed for their kids. And we gave them that funding so that we could operate commercially. Obviously, there were a lot of dynamics behind it. We needed to go through planning and we needed to get the funds to do the fencing. The fencing had to be the right grade and so on and so forth. But we said, well, we can do it there. Why don't we just do it everywhere? Let's try and do it across the whole UK. So back in 2015, I think it was, we were, I think, on project number four or five. And it was and it was going very well, going slowly, but it was going well. So then I thought, you know what, let's, let's go on Dragon's Den and just see what happens. Let's pitch this idea and um, see what happens with Dragon's Den. And again, the concept is... And again, sorry to toot my own horn, but it's, it's amazing. I think loads of people are copying my concept, which is fine. I don't mind. It is what it is. You know, you, you don't be in business for that long and don't expect people to copy you. It is what it is. It's flattery. But anyway, people are doing it. It's good. But the key thing there is um, this concept came about and it was a good concept. But, you know, Dragon's Den is all about history, your accounts, how you are as a person. And obviously, I alienated Pierre Jones pretty quickly in this battle of netball, which I know I'm still right about, by the way. Yeah, Pierre Jones, if you're listening, I'm, have a look. <laughs> Google it. So talk, give, us, give us a quick idea, Nilesh, as we're, we're yeah. kind of getting towards the last 15 minutes. But give us a quick idea of kind of mm. what happened. I think one of the dragons took a shine to you and it looked like he very nearly invested in your idea until one little thing came up from what I remember. Very, very nearly. Yeah. Very nearly. So again, the concept was again proven. Um, you know, Peter Jones hated me, then loved me, I hope. And then obviously yeah, everyone started to warm to me by the end of it. I think I, I do come off as quite a brash and cocky individual, which is fair enough. But I think I leveled myself off. But the tax issue came up, obviously, where this 210k penalty. And, you know, I had actually rehearsed it over and over again because I knew it was coming, but nothing prepares you for that moment where you're at your lowest point in your life or lowest business point in your life as well. And you just don't know what to say. You're like, okay, I had the penalty, but I came back from it. I did really well after it. But obviously the way they put it, you've got to remember it's a TV show as well. You know, they're trying to, I wouldn't say they dig you out, but they're trying to kind of explain why did it take so long for you to tell us about the tax issue? You know, you've got money here. You're doing very well. Why didn't you just tell us about the tax issue? And obviously, you know, it is a big thing. You know, it, it does make you look like a bit of a cheat, if I'm being honest with you. Um, you know, people, they don't know the history of how that tax penalty came about. And I, in my own admittance, should have just said, you know what? My accounting was poor. I didn't structure my company out well enough. Um, you know, I didn't declare what I was supposed to declare. And that resulted in the penalty. That's as simple as it should have been. Um, but when you don't declare it and you don't tell them why money is missing here and there and your accounts aren't matching up and marrying up, they're going to go at you. And, um, you know, it's a situation where I should have um, said that at the beginning that it would have, and I reckon I would have got investment. But to be honest with you, again, I don't really look back at it as a bad thing because, you know, I'd never, if I'm honest, I never really needed the investment. It was always as marketing. And from there, I think about 150 plus schools contacted me. Um, regardless so people clearly liked the idea uh, people really warmed to the idea and then from there kind of the business has has grown from it in in terms of we're now trying to acquire um you know various other companies we're trying to move in different segments markets team kits and everything like that we're trying to move into different things and different things to make the company grow and development and get you know we're trying to look at investment loans and different things but you know at the end of the day it's very um it's, it's very hard to, to, to go on there and fail. I failed really badly. But 
you know, you learn from your failures. At the end of the day, failure breeds success. I think that's, that's my motto is failure breeds success. You, you got to fail. You got to fall, fall down, get up and go again. You got to keep falling, keep falling, keep falling because, and that's, that's how you learn. I don't think anyone's perfect, no matter how rich or poor they are, you know, how, 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 you know, you know, you could have someone that's a really good craftsman and tradesman earning, you know, 1000 pound a month could be more capable of someone that's, um, you know, earning 50 grand a month. It's just different. Every, everyone is different and built differently and has different skill sets. So, you know, it was, it was a, um, it was, it was, it was a, it was a bad time for me personally, but the business actually from that exposure, really rocketed and I just said you know what I was very upset you know you know family seeing it and stuff like that, you know um and you know that straight away family people hold on a second he hit a lot of stuff but a lot of them were actually very very understanding people were actually very understanding like yeah you know what he's got a business it's his money he's made a mistake so what he's doing very well and he's still around he didn't declare bankruptcy I think a lot of the business people had that concept a lot of the people that don't really understand business and were quite young and would say oh yeah he's a cheat he's a fraud blah 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 but you know, each their own. I just took it all on the chin and just moved yeah, forward. I mean, I've I've watched it a couple of times and I think the pitch itself was very good, was very pro. It's one of the one of the best I've actually seen on there. Um, mm-hmm. like you say, you've admitted you made a mistake. We all make mistakes. Um so you you've overcome it. The business is doing well. So yeah, let's let's go back to your business itself. So you're now mm-hmm. both both companies kind of a million or so turnover. How have yeah. you brought it from the stage where you've kind of started branching out, offering these different services, moving into different sports from football, soccer, to netball, to all sorts. How has it gone from that stage of doing okay to kind of skyrocketing and doing a mil plus on each coast? I think, I think, you know what, there's always, it's a very common question is that, what, what is that one moment in your business that kind of, you know, where it turned? And I can't really say that there's one moment. I think consistently, you know, again, you, you, you have to work really, really hard. I think that's the key thing with, with business as a business owner, you have to work hard. You have to kind of spot the gaps in the market. You've got to spot where the gaps are and run with it. You've got to go, you've got to spot the gap, run with it. And I think that's, that, that's what it's been. It's been a lot of spotting these little, little gaps across the years, going into these gaps and developing the gaps. Um, that's where kind of the business has succeeded. It's been, there've been a lot of opportunities that I've taken, um, and that have gone very well. And there's been a lot of opportunities, like, for example, kids coaching. It's one of the markets where we were quite big at in 2014, but one that kind of delved off because, you know, the needs have changed. So it's very much recognizing your strengths, building upon them, understanding your weaknesses and turning them into your strengths. This, I think in uni it's called SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. You've got to look at that. Then the same thing, evolution of the business in terms of websites are you doing your facebook are you doing your instagram are you doing your seo are you doing your ppc so reinvestment is very important you can't just think okay my business is going to be turning over a million pounds right and not invest it into some form of marketing and just expect it to be a million pounds again you might be lucky and be like what if might be fantastic for you but there's always someone new someone younger someone fitter someone stronger that's going to come along and try and say yeah you know what i'm going to have a piece of his pie thank you very much yeah it seemed like a good pie to have so you've just got to make sure that you recognize that you've got to keep on top of your customers make sure they're happy listen to their feedback keep marketing keep branding keep evolving evolution has been the key thing like you can't just stagnate and just be like okay plateau and be like oh yeah i'm going to keep things as they are it's not possible you've got to evolve with time you know things have hugely changed over the past 10 years um recognizing your needs of the customer recognizing the demands spotting the gaps again all of these things have evolved um the, probably the best thing that i did was separating the two businesses out 
and then focusing time on each individual business whereby spawn each individual opportunity they were very different and i didn't recognize they were they were very different so you so you know you, you have to branch out you know and there's still very many different um different things within each business that i still haven't touched upon and even though there might be pennies and pounds i think you as a business owner should not be concerned about pennies and pounds take every single penny and pound that you get at the early part of your business stage you have to accept it i remember i was traveling sometimes 50 miles for five pounds yeah, you have to take everything because that's how you're going to grow it. That's how you're going to grow your business. You've got to get your name and your brand out there. And you have to continuously do that. Yeah, it's not just, yeah, I'll do it for a week, take two weeks off and back on. No, it's, it's, not, it's, not, a, it's not a nine to six. It's a, it's a 24-hour job. Eat, breathe, live, everything. Excellent. And I think that's some, some real good points, Nilesh. So you've kind of showed us that kind of you need to be hard work. You need to be nonstop involved in your business. Absolutely. You need to be constantly reinvesting. And it sounds mm-hmm. like you understand more than anyone that kind of the digital marketing channel, marketing channels you've got to be looking at. So kind of website and digital marketing, paid ads, SEO, social, whatever it may be. Um, yeah. And yeah, keep, keep at it nonstop. So what would you say, Nilesh? I mean, we appreciate that you've kind of come from kind of offering demos, getting this a thousand people signed up out of nowhere mm-hmm. into kind of a million plus turnover for two co's. What would you say is your favorite digital marketing channel that you've kind of tapped into? Digital marketing, uh, you know what, if I'm being perfectly honest, like digital marketing wise, Facebook and Instagram, I'm not huge fans as a person of the two because I feel like phone, like phone, phoning and leafleting uh, and talking to people is really important. I still think that is actually really important. But you know what, Facebook video at the moment, Facebook video for me is is the best part of um, digital marketing. I mean, they'll, coming soon, you're going to see a lot of kind of three or four videos uh, for um, higher pitch play five side and of course our new website let's play sports um, that's coming soon um, but video is actually very much people are you know tuning into video content I've found a lot of video content. even me personally I'm scrolling through Facebook clicking on seconds for you know five to ten seconds having a look at video so I think video Facebook digital Facebook digital marketing in that sense and even Instagram video these are I think the platforms that are going to go forward and I think going to drive every business because you got to remember, you've got your phone here, you're going bam, bam, bam. Oh, I like that. Press play, three seconds, one, two, three, bam, I'm moving, I'm moving. Yeah, yeah. People want their information faster. People aren't really going to be listening to you on the phone anymore. Cold calling is very good, but sometimes it might be ineffective. But if you're at the, if you're in digital marketing, you're in their hand. That's how I look at it. You're in their hand right now. So do while you're in their hand, try and push yourself out there. Same thing on a desktop or a mobile. Google, PPC, SEO, if you're there, you're in their hand again. It's just a touch of a button and they're with you. Um, going back 10 years ago, it's not the same thing. People would actually want to kind of, you know, discuss things with their friends or what's, you know, have you heard of a company that does this? Have you heard of a company that does that? Now I think it's very much, you know, people are seeing things, people are visualizing things, people are, you know, looking at things in a video, video sense, in an image sense as well. So I would say that is, that is my favorite one because I enjoy preparing the videos and everything like that. It's still tough. Don't get me wrong. Any form of marketing is tough. Got it. Okay. Excellent. I think you've already kind of given the audience some good, good insight of how you've kind of worked from being a startup into an established company. Um, is, there, is there kind of one specific thing that companies should be doing with, with online marketing that's, that's going to massively help their business or should they just be doing everything? Um, again, it just depends what kind of, I think, what, what market you're in. I think the, the way I would do it is if, if, you've got, if you've got some money, it's kind of spread it all out across um, and then kind of, you know, see where it goes. 
um, in my opinion, or your website is your key thing. That's the first thing you need to really build a solid website. Uh, for me personally, to get your brand out there initially, uh, PPC and digital marketing is important. But long term, if you're thinking I want to be around in five, ten years time, then SEO is obviously you've got to invest some money into SEO. You've got to make sure you put some money aside for it. So for me personally, I would try and split the budget across. But it just depends where you want to be. Do you want to make a lot of money very quickly? If you want to make a lot of money very quickly, then you've got to increase your Facebook and your Instagram spend per day and do a lot of PPC. Then SEO is not necessarily that important. If you're only around for a year or two years or whatever, long term strategy is SEO. You've got to be around. Um, you're going to be around, you've got to put some money aside for it. So personally speaking, I don't think there's a right and a wrong way. I think you've got to basically spread it all out and then figure out what works best. So, you know, Facebook, I'll give you an example, like pretty little thing. They're all over the place. Omar Kamani, I don't know what he's done, but they're all over the place. You know, uh, TV content, Facebook, everywhere. You know, they're offering a product. Their, their product is clothing. Um, I don't think that would be as effective for a plumber. I don't think a plumber offering, you know, on Love Island prime time, you know, showing his stuff is <laughs> going to be as effective as, you know, Google and PPC and SEO. You know, it just very much, you've got to know your business. You know, clothing is very different to sports and marketing sports. Plumbing is very different to a man with a van. You know, it's, it's they're all very different things. So I, w I would try and do them all, figure out where you're getting the most hits and then invest and see where your customers are coming from. That's it. I guess know where your customers are. If you don't, test the markets, test the various marketing strategies. Exactly. And then work out the data, really, I guess. Yeah, exactly. What that. gets you results, exactly what gets that. you the leads, what gets you the sales, and, and move on and, and put more budget into that, it sounds like. Exactly that. Cool. Okay. Um, Nilesh, it's been a pleasure chatting to you for the last ne nearly an hour or so. Um, oh, thanks as, for having me. No, no, no worries at all, man. So um, just to finish off, I'd like to ask everyone at the end, um, if you could thank just one person, either dead or alive, um, for having a positive influence on you, who would it be and why? Oh, it's a tough one, actually. Um, if, if, I, if I had to pick um, a person, I think it'd very much be my parents. I think, they've, they've, I think, that's, I think that's common for a lot of, a lot of um, young entrepreneurs anyway, is that Obviously, I think they're very patient people. Um, they're very different. You know, they came they came to the UK with nothing. Um, you know, a lot a lot of people, you know, British Asians would would say the same. They came with with nothing, and they invested a lot of time in me. Um, you know, in my education and you know my upbringing. I think they had a lot of patience with the business. You know, when I wasn't doing well, um, they did offer me good advice, some good advice, some bad advice. Um, but the fact of the matter is, no matter what, you know, they've always been there, and I think they're always going to be there, no matter what. Um, you know. Uh, they, I think, have been at the very beginning when I had no, you know, had no house, had these tax issues. I think they were very supportive and, you know, always willing to lend a hand, even though, you know, obviously I, I wanted to suffer because it's my mistake. I think they were always there. I think, I think, <laughs> to be honest, no matter what, I think everyone should thank their parents or their mom or their dad or, you know, it's, it's, it's very important because they, I think they made you the person that they are at the end of the day, didn't they? Agreed. Agreed. Thank you so yeah. much, Nilesh. Um, you've Thank been... you for having me. <laughs> no, no problems, man. Thanks yeah. for coming on. So you've been listening to Sam's Business Growth Show, where we interview business leaders, experts and entrepreneurs from around the globe. Um, this has been Nilesh. Um, the show is sponsored by webchoiceuk.com, helping businesses grow um, with results-driven websites, apps and digital marketing. Before we go, Nilesh, um, tell mm -hmm. us a bit about your company. Tell us where people can find you, your websites. Go ahead. 
All right, so we are uh, playfiverside.com in letters and hirepitch.com. Uh, obviously, we deal with uh, sports pitch hire lettings, five-a-side leagues, and we are now launching very soon letsplaysports.co.uk, which focuses on um, casual games um, across the UK. Uh, we do corporate events and team building as well, which can be found at dreamteambuilding.co.uk, which I didn't touch upon today. But that is also part of the higher pitch family. So a lot of stuff with your sports, fitness and um, corporate event needs we can cover. Amazing. Thank you very much, Nilesh. Speak to you soon. Thank you so much for having me.